the GameCube, GameCube was cool. Hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. seconds are there in a second a million no 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 i think it's a thousand or a hundred it's either a hundred or a thousand i think a hundred makes the most sense to me that would make sense but 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 it's a million because it's a millisecond it's not a centisecond no no milla milla is like um you know millennium it's a thousand right oh that's true not a million yeah you're right so i guess there could be a thousand milliseconds in a second yep (laughs) remember when mario kart used to do the timing for for the like how close you were between first and second why'd they take that out that yeah, why did they? I actually always like to see where I was because sometimes I would, you know, just lose out or just win. I always wanted to see the exact yeah. time. I think Double Dash was the last game to do that. Did Double Dash do it? I remember it, it on N64. And yep. then after that, I don't, I can't remember now. Double, Double Dash. Dash then? Yep. I, for, it for sure was because I was playing Mario Kart Wii yesterday and uh, there was no timing. It was just first, second, third. So you had no idea by how much you won. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, Mike, how was your birthday? This is your birthday weekend? This is my birthday month, as we know, Neil. Oh, okay. Birthday All year. Right. Happy, happy belated birthday. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again. You had a good time, though? You had, you, had, you finally celebrated your your COVID birthday? Yes, I did. It was it was a nice birthday. I got a lot of great gifts, very thoughtful gifts from everyone. I got a great birthday gift from you, Neil. I got Time Splitters on the GameCube. Time Splitters 2, no less. Yes, exactly, which is uh, awesome, and I can't wait to play that, sit down and play that. I did test it. I did test it out when it got here. I, I had to order it on eBay, obviously, and I, I had to make sure the quality was good, so I played it for a little bit. Thank you. Good box, too. Good good quality. Uh, the manual is yep. in there. Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> not going to not gonna half-ass it. No, it's a, it's a really fun game. I can definitely feel Goldeneye all yes. over that game. It just felt like Goldeneye. Um, I hope it's not like Nightfire, so don't go in there expecting a Nightfire experience. It's definitely more towards a Goldeneye. Yeah. I don't know why this always bothered me was the whole like the gun kind of feeling like it's being forced back into the center of the screen at all times. That that goes on in the game, which takes some getting used to. Yeah. In Nightfire, it didn't feel quite as sticky. I think it did happen in Nightfire, but not quite as much. That one, it's the gun is always trying to get back to the middle of the screen, which gets annoying. That's very much a 90s kind of style of development. Yeah, for a first-person shooter early in the 90s, like when we were playing on N64, it was just easier for the the aiming reticle to calibrate in the middle of the screen between every shot. But anyway, I'm sure you'll enjoy it a lot. It's really fun. It's goofy. And uh, (laughs) yeah, no, I'm uh, happy birthday. Happy birthday from me. (laughs) I'm I'm good at getting you GameCube games. That's kind of my (laughs) wheelhouse with games. (laughs) Cool. Now, Neil, we do have some reviews that came in this week um we okay. have reviews every week but you know we'd like to bring up some when we can and we have a positive and a negative one which one do you want to read first i actually want to read the negative one i have it here is that okay yeah let's, let's do it yeah this is our first actual negative review also so thank you pretty yeah thank you so much i don't have the username but uh technically our first negative review was when i posted a scooby-doo episode on a reddit <laughs> thread and the guy got really mad saying i was trying to sell him stuff and everyone was like he's not selling anything he's just posting his video here but now we're selling things now we're selling anyways things. here's our first negative real actual kind of uh constructive negative review all right so this is from december actually from december 7th of last year so we're a little late sorry he's probably not reading this or listening to us anyways uh, it's good, but not always informative. They have good chemistry, but the way they kind of flew by, no pun intended, Rogue Squadron in the GameCube launch episode, like it was a normal game, was weird. Plus, they admitted they never really played it. That's one of the best and most important GameCube games ever. That's getting started off on the wrong foot. Enjoyable, but didn't give the substance or detailed conversations I was looking for. Three stars. I think he gave us three stars. 
Three stars? Oh, okay, I'll take it. Yeah, it has. Um, that, that is a fair, constructive uh, comment on that episode. It was our first episode as well, so I'd like to just point out that I feel like we've gotten slightly better in the last 32 weeks. I guess 37 weeks now. I think so, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. we we did probably blow over Rogue Squadron a little bit too much. I'm sure that we'll have a chance to get back to it. There's still a ton of Star Wars games for us to uh, to go over, to review on this uh, on this podcast, so... Yeah, we'll probably bring it up again. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad, to, I'm glad that on our first episode, when this listener went back and uh, heard it, they thought that we had good chemistry, which is good, because we've been friends for almost 20 years, so I'd like to think that that's a reason why people like to listen to us, because, yeah. Mike, you and I have been best friends for so long. And sorry that we didn't cover Rogue Squadron 2, Rogue Leader, which is the worst video game name on the GameCube. <laughs> but I agree, it is a great game, and I'm sure we'll have a chance to go back and review it in a little bit more substance later on. But Also, that guy's name was Kobe Skills with a Z. Thanks, Kobe Skills. Well, time for our positive review, though, uh, to, okay. to keep it posy here. We have Please Stay Woke, who wrote us a beautiful review on January 5th, 2021. So a super new one here. Fresh. And he says, or she says... Appreciate this podcast with a fire emoji. Mm. Fun look back at some of my favorite games and an insightful look into games I've never heard of. Uh, brain explode emoji. All in all, it has inspired me to go back and play some of my favorite GameCube games. Keep up the good work. Pray emoji. Love the emojis. Yeah, in a lot of good emojis in there, which actually makes me feel really happy about yes. uh, what we're doing. I also actually, before we, we move on, I do have one last actual positive review. And this is a Facebook review that someone uh, wrote for us. So we have our first Facebook review, Neil. Ooh, sweet. Okay. Can't wait for that first Twitter review. That's going to happen eventually too. But <laughs> good to see people are looking at 2024. <laughs> good to see that people are looking at the Facebook page too. That's awesome. And this comes to us from Christopher Henry. And he writes a very nice, relaxed podcast to listen to whilst gaming. Good stories and information, and the presenter's dialogue flows nicely without being forced in any way. Nice. I, I like to think that we are a bit of a laid-back uh, podcast. We I listen to a few podcasters out there, and some of them have incredible energy, and like uh, we've been on Gaming Memories. He's just insane, and I don't think – I'm not even going to try and replicate that <laughs> level of energy. He's so There's good, no though. way – I don't do enough weed to keep up with him or whatever it is that he's drinking <laughs> to stay on that level of, of com- he's almost like he's on a next level of comedy, man. I but, love it. Uh, it's so good. But oh, we, it, we are not those people for sure. We're, uh, we're the, no. we're just, we're just bringing you some chill jazz here on 91.1, the GameCube FM. The cube. The cube. Yeah. <laughs> no, those are all really good, uh, really good feedback too. And even the negative one wasn't so much negative, but it was no. like, you know, <laughs> oh, they kind of blew over this game that I really love. And this is a message just, I've been thinking about this all week. And guys, there's 555 North American GameCube games out there. We're not going to come every week with heat on all games that we talk about. We're not going to be passionate about, about every game we talk about. There will be big ones like Nightfire and like Melee that we've already covered. Um, but just... You know, keep in mind, we're doing our best here to keep, you know, everything informative and sound somewhat hyped about these games. Some of them are just trash, so it's really hard to... <laughs> we're not going to have time to go back and play them all before we talk about them. So. Yep. yep. Yeah. Just wanted to get that out there. But until then, ladies and gentlemen, this is episode 32 of the GameCube is Cool podcast. We have new episodes every Thursday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all the other podcast services. If you haven't already, take a moment to subscribe to us so you don't miss an episode. Leave us ratings and reviews to help others find the show. We are the number one GameCube podcast on the internet. We're here to look back on all 555 North American GameCube games, one by one, sometimes 12 by 12. Visit thegamecubewascool.com and check out all the things we've been working on. Episodes available to download, read some articles that we've written, and explore our lovely store. The website was developed by our very own Mike Lane. 
That's me. That's you. Last week, we covered Mario Party 4, 5, 6, and 7. If you haven't already, download that episode and check it out after this one. This week, we're here to kick off the NHL season, which is on January 13th, with five NHL games on the GameCube. NHL 2003, 2004, 2005, 2006, and 2K3. Yeah, we don't really care about 2K3. I'm sorry. If anyone is a 2K3 fan out there, I'm sure it's a good game. I just... No one really bought those games for GameCube especially, so... No, I, I don't know. The 2K series on GameCube was always weird. I love having the, the 03, 04, 05, 06, and then just leave it. I think parents, again, parents probably bought 2K3, not knowing what they were buying. It's a hockey game. It's on the shelf. My kid plays hockey. I'm going to buy this. Yeah. So that just yeah. snuck in under the radar. And Mike, we have a whole bunch of guests joining us today. Obviously, you're a huge fan of hockey games on the GameCube and future consoles, and we have a couple other folks joining us in today. Uh, to talk about it, since I don't know a ton about NHL games on any consoles, I'm a big NHL hits fan, which we've already covered in a in a, in a um, past episode. So I've done a whole bunch of research on these games that we're going to be talking about today. So hopefully I can kind of chime in here or there. But why don't you uh, just do, go a uh, quick run over on who's going to be joining us today? Well, we do have some amazing guests. This is definitely our most legit episode ever because we are going to have some industry insiders on here. Uh, first of all, we have uh, Patrick Hickey Jr., who is going to be joining us. And uh, Patrick has written some great books about the topic, basically, of sports games and just you know game development in general. He is a hockey writer as well as a profession, and uh, he's a New York Islanders fan. We're going to be having, uh, having him on pretty, uh, pretty soon. Uh, we also have uh, a very special guest. We're going to be having John McComb on. And John McComb was the in-arena announcer for basically all the NHL games that, that we grew up with. Uh, which is really, really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so how, and yeah, yeah. So basically, what he, what his job was, was basically saying, you know, last minute of play in the first period. <laughs> and uh, and he also had a lot of funny, uh, funny little sound bits uh, in there that he had to say, kind of, I guess, between periods. Hmm. Um, here's one right Questions, here. Comments or concerns? Feel free to approach any of our arena staff. We're here to help. Game coverage and interviews on your AM dial. Report heavily to number 14, Brendan Shanahan, two minutes for elbow. <laughs> so That's stuff so like cool. that which is that. awesome yeah and he his name is in the credits too i was watching the credits today mm. just to see so yeah really excited to have him on um cool and i actually did his website that's how we know each other so. oh okay nice yeah. and mike you did our website too Exactly. That's how I know you. Oh, yes, of course. You, I, I, I asked you when we were seven years old to develop a website for me. It took you 20 years, but you finally came through. I finally did it. And then our last guest that we will be having on is uh, Marty Thompson, friend of the show. Is We all know Marty for messing up uh, the Disney, <laughs> Disney skateboarding. Say, is he here to talk about Disney skateboarding again today? Uh, but, uh, but of course, he was an amazing guest when we did the FIFA episode. He's been on, obviously, the Extreme Sports episodes and a bunch of others, uh, including the NHL Hits episode that we had way back so he's going to be coming on again to talk about more hockey and we are excited to have him sweet no it's a great way to kick off the nhl season i'm very excited to talk to all of our guests um mike did maybe i'll just pick your brain before we get started yeah. um but let's just talk a little bit about the history of nhl games maybe where you got your start on them i actually never got my start on the nhl games i only probably played these games at friends houses i most likely played it at your house as well the odd birthday party i'm sure it was on what's kind of fun is that whenever you go to an nhl game 
uh, in real life, they, there's typically a, a booth set up where you can play NHL mm-hmm. games. Um, I go to a Toronto Marlies game every year with my dad. And whenever I go, there's always the the that season's NHL game that you can play on. Typically, it was PlayStation 4. But it's just like that's kind of the last remaining sort of relic of that era of playing games in public where there was a yeah. kiosk set up. Like McDon- we always talk about McDonald's or Toys R Us. I get that feeling whenever I pass by. And I always kind of look and see if they have another game I, I could play. <laughs> <laughs> they, like, and they don't. They don't. It's always it's just the <laughs> NHL. Maybe NBA is on there as well. But uh, no, yeah. it's, it's such a cool thing to see kids playing or adults playing a, a game in public on a kiosk. That's really the only place I ever see it anymore is at sporting events. But just going back in history, the first NHL hockey game was released on 1991 in this on the Sega Mega Drive. Uh, the first game on a Nintendo console was NHL 94, which was on the SNES. And that's the one people usually kind of glorify as yep. like the game. Obviously, it's got you know big rose-colored glasses for that, mm-hmm. very much a golden eye sure. thing again going on there. But uh, yes, NHL 94 is usually kind of they usually uh, signal that as the start of the franchise. Yeah, that's where a lot of people. That's where I can picture the NHL series starting. I don't remember the 1991 one game because no. I was a, I didn't have a Mega Drive obviously um, but uh, and I know that the series has gone through its ups and downs and right now we're on a major down I never hear good reviews on NHL games nope. these days I'm <laughs> sure we're gonna, I'm sure we're gonna talk about that a lot today with our callers but uh, when when did you get into the NHL games was it pretty much right when you started playing hockey or so I got into the NHL games pretty early so I first played NHL 99 with with like with friends or friends brothers and stuff growing up I was always into hockey, even as a little kid, so that was an easy transition there for gaming, and definitely probably one of my first gaming memories. But I didn't have an N64, obviously, so I, I didn't, uh, I couldn't play it at home. I do remember playing it with, obviously, lots of other people. Never played uh, 2000 or 01, but I did own 2002 and 03 for the PC uh, okay. that had, ooh, it had, I think Vincent Danfus was on 02, and then uh, 03 had a Ginla. I remember okay. that. And then uh, I owned 04 and 05 for GameCube uh, because that's when I would have had my GameCube at that point. And I was very excited to play those. And I mm-hmm. played those to death. Probably played those more than maybe any other game on the GameCube other than Nightfire, I would I would say. Wow. I rented 06. I remember vividly renting 06 out of Roger's video <laughs> <laughs> because my parents didn't want to buy me 06 because they were like, you know, they were like, you already have, you have, you have 04 and 05. Why do you yeah. need 06? It's just a roster update. That was their, <laughs> they knew that then. Their thing. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. knew then. And then after that, um, they stopped making, uh, EA stopped making games for Nintendo, stopped making NHL games for Nintendo. Right. Uh, which we will be talking about at m- close to the end of this episode mm-hmm. about how that relationship fell apart. And so then I, I got, I kind of took a break and then had 2K9 and 2K10 for the Wii, which were, they were okay. They were whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I also got Gretzky's Slapshot, uh, which was not a good game. Is that on Wii? <laughs> It was on Wii and it was fully motion controlled. Oh yeah, I was gonna say that's what that's what I figured happened to, to any sports game on Wii. Just they, they just try to put motion controls in and no one's buying that. Yeah. So, and then I got back into the franchise in 2013 when I was in college. I uh, got that for the PS3. They actually had a skating engine specifically for 2013. Hmm. Uh, so that was kind of why I wanted to pick it up again. And I lived with a you know five guys, so obviously. Sure. That was the perfect game to have. Mm-hmm. We also got 14 and 15 for the PS3. And then um, that was basically it for me for the franchise. I've played 16, 17, I think, 18 and a couple others uh, at people's houses, at, 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 at my old work. But I never really enjoyed it very much because I would just go back and play hits or play NHL 04 or 05 because I, I honestly 
honestly believe that those games are far superior in every way. Yeah, you're probably right. I I never hear anybody talking fondly about any of the newer games, so it, it'd be interesting to talk to someone who does play the games every year. I'm not sure if if buying an NHL game every year is a common thing for people to do. The the games do sell very well, so maybe some folks are buying NHL 18, 19, 20, 21. Well, now but, what happens is through EA, EA has all those different things where you can buy like the EA subscription almost, right? Mm-hmm. And you get basically all the sports games. Oh, and okay. uh, and you get like a huge discounts on them, so that's about what people do nowadays, which is what EA should have put in, you know, years ago. Yeah, it should. They should just have released an NHL game as a platform, and then every year you buy updates, you buy new rosters. Maybe they update the stick handling or the uh, the skating mechanics, because um, it is. It, your parents were right back in two thousand and six. <laughs> it is just minor updates most years. Yeah, so, yeah. I will yeah. say in the in these times and like what we're going to be talking about, oh three to oh six, there were quite significant updates that really did change the game, and especially actually. 07 was one of the biggest updates ever, uh, which came after the GameCube and which we will talk about later. Sweet. uh, Okay. Sounds good. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, we have our first caller of the day. Patrick Hickey Jr. is joining us. He is the author of The Minds Behind the Games book series. He's the editor-in-chief at Review Fix. He's also a school teacher. He's a video game voice actor, writer, editor, and collector. He's a dad and a husband. He also never sleeps from the sound of it. For our listeners out there that may have not heard of you before, why don't you give us a quick uh, overview um, about yourself? Tell us, how did you get into the video game industry? Um, Obviously, you've done a whole bunch of things. What was kind of your in? Sure. um, I mean... I go as far back as like I I started like AOL like um, groups writing writing about yeah writing wow. about games and um I mean I was a huge like when GameSpot was like really good when they had like journalistic integrity I used to go on there like all the time and then um through one of the one of like the super posters me and I mean I had like thirty thousand posts on the GameSpot forums but this guy had even more than me and he ended up Austin Chow. He ended up getting a job at GameSpot, and he had his own video game website, so he liked my user content. So I started writing for his site, TryGames.net, and I started reviewing a ton of games. Then um, I started writing for my college newspaper, and um, I did something really cool when I was at my college newspaper. I started writing game companies, and I was like, okay, start Mm -hmm. sending me stuff to review. And... um, they did. Um, Sega, Atlas, Tecmo. Um, they started oh. sending me games. So then when I transferred to another college, I responded to those companies. And I was like, I'm at a new college now. So I could write reviews for this college paper instead. And they and to my you know happiness, they continued to do that. And eventually when I graduated from college, I started writing for Examiner. I was an editor at NBC. I started ReviewFix.com. So like I've just been the last 15 years covering the video game industry. And um, that led to me like four years ago where um, my wife was pregnant and I was just looking at like my body of work and I was super happy with it, but I was like, I have yet to write a book. And um, I've covered professional sports for, you know, just as long as I've covered video games. So I was just like, I need to write a book. And I'm just sitting in my man cave surrounded by like (laughs) 3,000 games. I love to do interviews. Interviews are my favorite thing to do. So I'm just like, I start pulling out games and I'm like, what if I start to do like a VH1, like behind the music of like all of these games, like find out like what spurred them creatively, speak to the developers, have it be as as free as opinion as humanly possible and just get behind the scenes of all of these games. So I picked out like five or six games like Toe Jam and Earl, Yars Revenge, you know, um, and I, I started contacting developers. It was like six games. And I was like, you know what? If like half of these guys get back to me, then I'll have enough to start a book. And like within a week, like all six got back to me mm-hmm. and I started pitching publishers. And uh, three days later, 
I got a call back and they're like, yeah, we want, we want it, but you'd have to get like at least 25 games. So I'm like, oh my God, this is going to be impossible. This is going to be so hard. The first book ended up having 36 um, games featured. Um, Every book that I've done since then has had at least 30. So uh, I'm, I'm currently writing my seventh book in the series right now. Three are out. The minds behind the games, the minds behind adventure games and the minds behind sports games. The minds behind shooter games comes out um, in February. Nice. And the minds behind Sega Genesis games and the minds behind Sony PlayStation games are finished and they are being sent to the publisher within the next couple of weeks. And I am working on an unannounced seventh book right now, which is mega sexy that I have like uh, 10 10 chapters finished already. So it's that's exciting. That's also just awesome. Thanks so much for sharing uh, that your bio, your history there, which I'm just still my my jaw is on the floor, just how uh, amazing all that is. But of course, we are here to talk about NHL games and hockey games in general. Uh, and my first question to you, Patrick, is did you own a GameCube? Absolutely. I still have it. I still have it in my man cave. Um, I love the GameCube. Um, I, truth be told, though, the games that I played the most on the GameCube were probably like Animal Perfect. Crossing, yep. uh, Smash uh, Smash uh, Brothers, um, I'm trying to think of what else, Resident mm-hmm. Evil Zero, um, Ultimate Muscle, Def Jam Vendetta, stuff like that. Um, hockey games, I was more of a PS2 That's fine. guy, <laughs> but I mean... Um, the GameCube has a really interesting history, and hockey games in general during that console generation have a really unique history because they're like family tree. Their genealogy is so interconnected, and so many people don't know. So, um, like, in the GameCube, really, like, didn't get the same amount of hockey games that all the other, uh, no. you know, consoles got. And I mean, there's still, I mean, I've interviewed the developers of many of those games, and I, I've never gotten like a concrete answer as to, as to why. But it just, it just makes it like interesting why the GameCube didn't get, you know, the hockey love that the PS2 and Xbox did. And so what Patrick's speaking to there is is the 2K uh, franchise. There was only the 2K3 on GameCube, mm-hmm. none of the other 2K3s, which were the mm-hmm. ESPN 2K at that time. And yep. also, uh, it did not get NHL 07 or 08, and that is mostly because of the, of the skill stick. Uh, being introduced, as well as EA's terrible relationship with Nintendo. Yeah. Well, then the skill stick wasn't wasn't initiated fully until 2008. That's it true. Wasn't for, so there's a, there's a couple of other like little reasons. Um, it's kind of like there's there's like three really big developers that did NHL games during that era. So there's Black Box, there's Treyarch, which most people would never consider. I know. To be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Call of Duty. Yeah. Yep. Spider Man. I, I mean. Spider-Man, no. uh, Triple Play, they, but they one of the first games that they did in 1998 was the was the basically the reskin of Wayne Gretzky 3D Hockey, which was Olympic Hockey 98, which mm-hmm. is considered one of the worst rated games of all time. It's not terrible, but it's just it's basically just a blatant reskin yeah. of Wayne Gretzky <laughs> Hockey with Olympic teams. But um, I mean, yeah, they did Tony Hawk, they did Iron Man, uh, Spider-Man, they did Triple Play Baseball, Minority Report, mm-hmm. but after NHL 2K3. They were gone, and then Cush Games came in, and Cush Games did, you know, NHL 2K, uh, NHL 2K4, which is ESPN Hockey, and then NHL 2K5, and it's just really weird because, I mean, on the surface, you could say, well, there was no hockey games on the GameCube. Maybe Cush was uncomfortable working with the GameCube, but they did NCAA Basketball 2K3 on the GameCube the year before. So there's like, you know, it's weird super weird that's been a thing with nintendo it feels like almost since the n64 generation where whenever games don't appear on 
a Nintendo console, the developers always say, oh, you know, the Nintendo hardware was too hard to develop for or space limitations, not enough RAM, just whatever. They always come up with development limitations that they couldn't break, which they apparently they could get it on PC, PS2, Xbox. Uh, it made sense on the N64 since everyone was jumping over to CD-ROMs. N64 had the cartridges. GameCube, yeah, the discs were the mini discs. They were quite a bit smaller than a PS2 CD disc. Um, and then the Wii was another question entirely. But nowadays, when you're, when you're talking about all games are now digital and you can put up anything just about on a storefront, yeah, the Switch is quite a bit underpowered compared to the now PS5 and the Xbox Series X. It's just It just feels like such a cheap excuse nowadays that it's it's it, they can't develop for it. Like, you can't make a downgraded version of your game that you're making in 4K <laughs> resolution with all this stuff. Like, it's just so weird. They've just had a really weird relationship with hockey, too, in general, yes. you yeah. know? So, yeah. dating back to the, the Nintendo, I mean... There's not many hockey games on the Nintendo. I mean, Wayne Gretzky hockey mm-hmm. is awful. Um, you've got pro sport hockey, which isn't bad. You've got ice hockey and Blades of Steel. That's it. Like, think about it. Just four hockey games mm-hmm. on like an entire, you know, an entire library of yeah. games. I mean, that's that's crazy. Well, a big issue too is the fact that like you know, hockey is not big or even known really in Japan, especially at that time. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And especially for Nintendo, who is a very insular company and very much, you know, will make Japanese games over anything else. Uh, a hockey game really doesn't have any kind of uh, weight to to them rather than maybe a baseball game, which obviously is something that they can promote in America and Japan. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, but even even now, like there's been a huge initiative over the past decade to bring hockey to Japan. Like the yeah. Islanders' former owner Charles Wong, he spent a ton of money to bring hockey to Japan and China. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So it's just crazy. The the Wii. I mean, EA. When you think about it, that Wayne Gretzky uh, hockey game that they had for the Wii, the NHL yes, Slapshot. Yes, I talked about that just earlier uh, before you came on. Yeah. <laughs> that was a really like different cool like little thing like for the Wii you know I mean they could have totally built off of that they could have yeah yeah. I wish they did and they just killed it the same thing too with like what they did with the PSP I mean I mean it's a different console all in general and it's Sony but like the NHL like NHL 07 on the PSP is the last like mobile hockey game that they released and it was really good yeah, and then they just stopped Mm -hmm. I mean NHL 09 last game on the PC as well right it's uh yeah, it's hockey and EA and just consoles in general, very weird relationship throughout. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, and when you think about it, too, I mean, because I've, I've interviewed so many yeah. of those EA founding fathers like Michael Brook, Dave Warfield, wow. Don Traeger, all the people that like that came up with the idea to release yearly sports games and like baseball, those baseball games in the beginning, that was like their bread and butter, but like Madden and NHL were like the ones that like everyone flocked to. Yeah. 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 And, but for some reason, NHL, I mean, NHL still sells at like a consistent, like half million clip, Mm -hmm. which I mean, when you do the math, it's still excellent. Like if you want to, if you want to make a franchise and you aim to sell a half a million copies every year, that's, that's damn good business. Mm -hmm. But I mean, it's obviously not like basketball or football, but there's still, a built-in audience it's like people that play hockey games like are the same type of people that play dungeons and dragons Mm -hmm. like they're super hardcore they love it and they stick by the product so it's just like why wouldn't you want to release that on as many consoles as possible why the switch doesn't have a hockey game why retro rewind 
isn't at least on the Switch mm-hmm. yeah. is insane. Yeah. I love Super Blood Hockey. Thank God for Super Blood Hockey on the Switch. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I mean, there's no reason for it. I saw that game at, uh, on an indie. I think it was on one of those indie reels that Nintendo does every mm-hmm. every six months or so. And yeah. That game really stood out to me that day. Is that a good game? I haven't actually seen much about it since so it looked a- really I have fun. actually um, spoken to the developer at length. Um, I interviewed him for the Minds Behind the Sports Games. Okay. Um, his dad used to work for Acclaim during the 80s oh, and 90s. Okay. So this guy used to just get like all the cool shit before, <laughs> you know. And um, the game is the game is basically like if ice hockey and Blades of Steel had a baby, hmm. and then that baby played Mortal Kombat. Oh my god! <laughs> that's so okay, funny. that's so it, it has a it has a story mode that you can give your players performance enhancing drugs, and like <laughs> it. It's so much fun. Cool. Oh um, I, I was originally uh, another game developer that I'm close with that I'm actually working on a game with right now. Um, Pete Paulquette, who used to be um, – he was a senior animator on Bioshock Infinite. He's worked on Madden. Wow. Um, he's worked on Overwatch, doing all the keyframe animations. Super talented guy. Hmm. Um, he was like, Pat, you like hockey? You've got to play Super Blood Hockey. And I'm just <laughs> like, okay. And I downloaded it on Steam. And I loved it. And then I reached out to the developer, um, Lauren Lemke, and I was just like, hey, what's up? We started talking, and I interviewed him for Old School Gamer Magazine, which is another place that I write for. And uh, then when I started the Minds Behind the Sports Games, I'm like, this has to be in it because there's just – it's either NHL or, like, nothing. Mm-hmm. So, like, this game is just, like – it just – if you could throw an NHL license on this game – it would be so much fun. Really? I would totally play it. Obviously, you'd have to take out the performance enhancing yeah. stuff <laughs> yeah. and the story, but the gameplay is so tried and true. Mm. It plays so smooth. Ugh. Okay. So yeah, I can't say any uh, enough good things. And it's actually having like a limited run physical edition oh, for nice. the Switch. Oh, okay. So yeah, I totally suggest like if you're into hockey games, that's like that's it's the only hockey game on the switch is that through yeah. limited run games that that's being published by it's through it's through it's not Printed. limited run it's an, it's another one of those companies you know how there's like a million of yeah them yeah, yeah it's a lot so mm. yeah cool that's yeah. really cool yeah i i, I definitely want to pick that game up because yeah. yeah like you said there's there are no hockey games for the switch and mm-hmm. and i was kind of talking to neil before you came on that for me i my big you know hockey days were with the gamecube that's what i grew up with mm-hmm. uh, playing and then after 06 i really couldn't play ea games anymore really until uh i got a ps3 with uh with friends and um i lived in a, a house with five guys so mm-hmm. nhl was the perfect thing to get but uh, absolutely i mean and i i really enjoyed 13 to kind of 16 but then after sure. that i i i didn't play much of them and i played them over at friends houses and stuff but i not a fan not a fan of the new games I just feel like they're way too simmy. Yes. Um, I love the skill stick on offense because I just I'm like a darling for creativity. Like yeah. I love pulling off all of like the sick little moves and stuff. I feel like the defensive skill stick is interesting, but I feel like every time I try and use the stick the way that I would use it in real life, I get called for a penalty. And I'm yep. not a dirty hockey player. So <laughs> it's just like every time I, I stick the stick out and I trip the guy or whatever, like or, or the guy like skates into my stick, it's like it's a tripping penalty. So I'm constantly on the penalty kill and I'm just like NHL games were great in the beginning because they were not only as realistic as the technology would allow, but they were fun enough to introduce new people to the sport. Yes. And I feel like NHL 18, 19, 20, 21, they're still super sexy to look at. They're still somewhat fun to play, but they're so based in reality that 
they're not fun for somebody that doesn't absolutely love the sport. So it's like trying to get my nephews to play a hockey game for the first time now on a new console is next to impossible. That's why, again, Super Blood Hockey, that's where we go. Yeah. Oh, I, I, and I mean, I, I feel like there's obviously a, a large majority of, of people who, you know, play these games because they want the realism. Um, but there's there's also something to be said about about creating these, you know, these fun three-on-three games. Like, that's why NHL Hits still holds up today. You can still mm-hmm. easily play Hits, have a great time, uh, and, uh, it, you know, almost 20 years later. And I hear a lot of people who are always like, oh, man, like, like I wish I wish there was a little bit of a little bit of arcadiness with uh, with uh, with NHL. And even when they do try and bring in their stuff, mm-hmm. like their three-on-three modes, and they're okay. It's not the same. It's not yeah. the same. Like, even their – I was really disappointed and upset when they did the – uh, the fort the NHL ninety four thing uh-huh. uh, for NHL fourteen yeah, yeah. that was so uh-huh. s- they could have made they could have done it so much better but they just they just I don't know they they really missed the mark on that I think a really sexy aside is like I tell people this all the time because I mean this is what I do like I interview game developers I try and find out like all the little ins and outs um the NHL hits franchise is developed by the same people that did the first NHL 2K. Oh, really? So not a lot of, not a lot of people know that. So like um I interviewed um Clint Forward who was the lead the lead programmer on that game and like his thing was he was like he would have loved to do uh NHL 2K1 but Sega, you know, they pulled the plug they didn't come out until NHL 2K2 mm-hmm. and that's when Treyarch um took over. So what happened was in between NHL 2K and what could have been NHL 2K1 Black Box is like looking for work, you know. Yeah. So they ended up they ended up working. Uh, they ended up doing NASCAR 2001 for EA. So they were working for EA, and then they went to Midway and did NHL hits 2002 and 2003 before they signed an exclusive deal with with EA, and they ended up developing NHL 2004 and 2005. So that's why those same, games are so good. <laughs> yes. So, so the same developer that did NHL 2K also did NHL Hits and also did NHL 2004 and 2005. Wow. So it's this is why I try and tell people like to not only to read my books but to try and be as informed a customer as possible because it's like if you like the original NHL 2K you're obviously going to love the NHL hits games and you're obviously going to love NHL 2005. They're, they're, they're cousins. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There's, but most people are just like, oh, well, I don't like NHL hits because it's too arcadey. I like, I like <laughs> NHL 2004. Who says that? People, Let's find I them. Get, <laughs> I, get, I get in arguments with people all the time. Like I was talking to somebody the other day and they were like, oh, I love what you do. But, you know, it's just like, I don't really care. Like I, I love Crash Bandicoot and I'm just going to play a Crash Bandicoot because it's Crash Bandicoot. And I'm like, bro, that's a perfect example example because there's like 20 crash bandicoot games out <laughs> and they're all done by different teams and oh, have done yep, right. tons of other yeah. games second so, our crash episode <laughs> you know so it's like if you know the people that made the games then you can kind of go oh you know what that game you know didn't even get reviewed by ign but i like three other games that this guy did so you know what i'm gonna pick it up like that's the way that i buy i buy that's games good, when i go yeah. to the game store the guy will be like, well, why do you want that game? It's like two bucks. And I'll go, well, it was developed by the guy that did this, this, and this. And th- they'll go, what? So then I'll buy the copy for two bucks. And then the next time I go there, the same game is like six bucks. And I'll go, what did you just do? And he goes, nah, man, that's a good game. You told me it's a good game. And he'll raise, <laughs> and he'll raise the price. So it's pretty funny. Oh but with, God. Ho- with hockey games, man, it's crazy. 
it's kind of like a few weeks ago, Mike and I were covering a bunch of strange games on the GameCube, and one of them was Dr. Muto. Yes. Which, oh, my God. Great story. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which, which, going into it, we were like, oh, whatever. It's just this kind of throwaway, random Saturday morning cartoon mm-hmm. plot with just a weird scientist. But then Mike found out, you know, this is the guy that made Asteroids. Yes. And it was his last game he ever developed. Yes. And that just, uh, we had my friend Chris on the show at the time, and he didn't even know that. And, that, and he like, was what? like the expert on the game. Like, <laughs> yes. like, I didn't even know that. This game's an all right game yeah. now. Like, yep. It's just weird stuff you find like that. that Absolutely. That Dr. Muto game was probably seven ninety nine at EB <laughs> yep. Games when it was at the end of its life cycle. But now it's probably like eventually that'll be considered a collector's item because you had this arcade genius that developed it yep. and it was his last last outing at yep. that it's just such a fun journey going through the history and trying to dig deep and and we're so happy that there's people like you out there just Thank looking you. for interviews looking for past developers and mm-hmm. just stories that can now be finally talked about because in the gamecube generation yeah there were there were reviews and there was lots of lots of reviews not so much online mainly in written form but people going diving deep into the stories of these developers and mm-hmm. what went on while they were developing like nowadays you hear all the time like like rockstar or now with cd project red like they're always talking about crunch time and how developers mm-hmm. are working 100 hour weeks obviously that was happening back in the 90s and the 2000s as well but it wasn't it wasn't like it wasn't documented as well no it wasn't so these stories existed too back then so it's so cool that that i mean folks like you are out there now uncovering these stories so we can go back and 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 find out about these great games that we played as kids like metroid prime and uh finally hear the story behind them because yeah there there was bits and pieces but it was very pre like a lot of these articles were all written in nintendo power which was basically a flyer (laughs) written by nintendo um with the gamecube there are so many freaking gems on the GameCube. Yes, there are. <laughs> and, and the thing is, too, it ranges from, like, the, I forgot the surfing game. Not the not the Kelly Slater surfing game, Wave which Race. I love. Uh, not Wave Race. There's oh, another one that Atari did. And it's in my sports book. I'm such an idiot for forgetting the name. Oh, is it the Trans World Surf yes. or whatever? Yes. Yeah. Oh, so yeah? Trans World Surf um, is it's, it's, it's very good on the other consoles. But the GameCube version is so much better you know um it's got a different cover it's got like a little bit more of an edgier attitude to it and it's just like every once in a while like you come across a game on the gamecube that you're just like this didn't come out anywhere else or like "Mm, this is pretty Mm -hmm. cool and i feel like i don't know i feel like nhl 2k3 i liked it better on the gamecube than i did on the playstation interesting yeah i've never played nhl 2k3 uh yeah do you have any any kind of thoughts about that game you know what it is too. I just feel like, um, how can I say this? Um, th- the GameCube controller for me had like this snap to it. Yes. You know, so it's like especially the trigger buttons. Um, it felt super arcadey when you were holding it. That's why like Smash felt so freaking good on the GameCube, and I just mm-hmm. felt like playing a hockey game on there and like shooting the puck and hitting people. It just felt it felt tighter than it did on like the PlayStation two controller and the Xbox controller. like the Xbox controller. Like you felt like you were really pushing the buttons into the, you know, mm-hmm. the controller. And then the PlayStation, yeah. like it had some snap, but not like the, the GameCube controller just felt really good with it. You yeah. know? Um, yeah. So, and I just feel like too, like as far as like, uh, that was there, that was Treyarch's last hockey game. Mm-hmm. And, um, I feel like that they were really, starting to to like cook and that's the thing too if you talk to any developer they'll tell you like the key is to always get a series once you get a series if once you get to like the third game in the series if you haven't done everything that you wanted to originally do in the first then you screwed up 
<laughs> so like, mm. so like that's why like NHL '94 is so good because all the things that they wanted to do in the original NHL hockey and NHL PA '93, they were right. finally able to like put everything in to NHL '94. Right. Um, mm. but I just feel like man, if Treyarch would have gotten the reins of ESPN, you know NHL 2K4, could that game have been better? And NHL 2K4 on PlayStation 2 is it's probably one of my favorite hockey games. Like that's that's not an EA game. So even though I'm super mm. impartial to the NHL Faceoff series, I feel like the NHL Faceoff series is super underrated on the PS1. The P- PlayStation 2 ones we 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 shouldn't even mention those <laughs> in the same in the same breath. I mean, I own them cuz I love the developer. He's a great guy. He's mm. helped me out so many times, but like those games can't hold water to like the 2K or the NHL series. Now, in terms of the NHL series, 03 to 06, the ones that were on the GameCube. Mm-hmm. Is there any that I mean, we talked about 04 obviously is we mm-hmm. really like that, but uh, is that the one that you kind of that really stands out for you? Um, I like I love NHL 06. Okay, yeah, yeah. NHL 06 like with Le Cavalier on the cover, I think. Yeah, with Le Cavalier on the cover. Um I love the soundtrack. I think it had like the best soundtrack of any any NHL game during that era. Um, sometimes I would just like leave it on, like on the title screen. <laughs> yep, and, like, I, I used and, to do that for 04 and 05. Yep. Yeah, and shuffle through the music and stuff like yep. that. Um, yeah, man. The play by play is so much fun. Um, in 2006, um, I felt like passing and shooting felt super crisp. In 2006, mm-hmm. um, that's one of the reasons why I love the NHL face-off games on PlayStation so much because, like, the animation for taking slap shots was just so sexy. And when you took a slap shot, you felt like you took it. And I think NHL 06 mm. nailed that too. I feel like when you when you like snipe and you shoot one timers, like there was that like sense of like gratification when you pulled it off properly. And I don't know if I don't know if NHL 04 and NHL 05 felt exactly the same way. I don't know. Yeah, I, I I definitely feel that NHL 06 nailed the animations mm-hmm. a, a bit more, I'd say, than, than 04 and 05. It was funny because obviously I was playing them all this weekend, just getting ready uh, for the episode. And I was actually like pretty impressed about how much they changed per NHL. They don't have that as much anymore, for sure. Every NHL game that oh, I yeah. play now, like if I played 18 to 21, I really wouldn't know much difference. But playing 04 or playing 03 and then playing 06, there's a pretty big difference. So I can I can explain the reason. Oh, oh, please, yes. Okay, have okay. the floor. Yeah. So, so, so now, the key thing is like online gameplay. So the differences between like NHL 18, 19, 20, 21 is like there's more online features. There's more robust online features. They've added more features to like the the hut, the hockey of ultimate team, more cards, more players. They added the alumni teams and stuff like that, which NHL 2K had 10 years before, but we won't talk about that. <laughs> um NHL 06, NHL 05, NHL 04. This is still like the beginning of like online gameplay online gameplay on console has not been yeah it works and people are playing online but they're not playing online nearly as much as they are now so they have to make sure that the single player experience is as robust as possible and every year they tried to have a killer feature so if you talk to like somebody from ea especially a marketing person they were obsessed obsessed with What's the back of the box going to say? And the developers will go, who cares? <laughs> who cares? Oh you know, like, it's it's a better game. It, it runs smoother. We've added, like, 50 new animations. And then EA would go, ooh, 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 ooh. 50, you added 50? Was it, was it 50 or was it 51? And they're like, it was 50. Okay, okay, okay. And, <laughs> it, and, and it would go on the back of the box. 50 new, usually, I mean, it would be more. 500 new animations, you know? 
And they would look for all of these like little buzzwords to put on the back of the right. box, you know, because they wanted to make because all of these companies were petrified at the beginning in like 1995, 1996, even before that, 1994. Um, are people going to buy a new sports game every year? Yeah. You know, so even 10 years later, you still have like the same old fuddy duddies at all of these gaming companies that they're like, you've got to have a killer feature. You've got to have something new. So that's why like NHL 02 has like um, the hero function, you know, and I love that. I spoke to um, Dave Warfield. He was the line producer for Electronic Arts. They did all the hockey games. He did all the hockey games from EA Canada. He's a freaking legend. I love him. He's such a nice guy. And But he was like, the next year, it was just like, okay, we got to think of something new. And for me, it was like, I remember playing NHL 2003 for the first time and going, they don't they don't have the hero stuff anymore? Like, what? No. Yeah. They, they took true. that out. And that's, you're absolutely right. So you see, you would see a lot of changes because all of those marketing gurus would tell the developers, you've got to make the game look different you've got to make it play different and sometimes the developers would go there's nothing wrong with the engine here we could tighten up and if we and they knew they knew they were like if we update the rosters on this and throw in like two or three new features the game's going to sell itself the hardcore fan base is going to pick up the game regardless and they never there's never like that new buy-in to a sport you either like it or you or you don't yeah you know so and especially now they're smart too where they shut down the, the online servers so you can't get new roster updates yeah. for the games. And back then, though, there was no way to download new rosters, really. And there was no you know? online for the GameCube anyways. Yeah, right. and there was no online for the GameCube. Which, again, I think that's the reason why, too, the GameCube games might play a little bit better. Because they knew that people weren't less people were going they were going to have less of a buy in on the GameCube for you know all of the other features so they could just focus on making the single player and like couch co-op as sexy as possible and that might be the reason why it plays so well but to answer your question short form marketing people just felt like that they had to that had to be drilled in that like the game had yeah. they had to have enough stuff to put on the back of the box for a person cuz this is what they thought people did they thought that somebody grabbed like NHL 2K3 and NHL 2K4 and put them side by side and said, <laughs> how is this different from nobody ever? But that's what they no. thought people did. No, nope. it was know? whatever was cheapest at the store. That's that's what yep. uh, 90% of that, because yep. it's the parents buying it for most of the time, right? Uh, especially yeah. for kids. Um, but Patrick, uh, we are coming up on our time here. Obviously, uh, I know we could talk for hours and hours with you and we would love to talk to you with more <laughs> episodes. But is there anything else you want to add about these fantastic games? I would just say that, like, I I feel like Nintendo dropped the ball. I think they dropped the ball on the entire, you know, GameCube run. That system had so much potential. Yep. Um, <laughs> I I still have my Game Boy player. I love nice. my Game Boy player. Yep. I mean, I had I had like all of the attachments that you could put on the on the GameCube and like Animal Crossing and like there were so many there were so many awesome opportunities. Um, but when you think about it, I mean, this is like Nintendo stopped being in competition with Microsoft and Sony, and they were just like, "Listen, we've got the best first-party lineup. We're gonna roll with that. We're gonna like hold our horses on our first-party lineup, and you know, if third-party publishers like EA and 2K want to run with us, then they can. If not, that's okay." And I feel like that's been a strength and a weakness at the same time for them. And I think that's the big be- Nintendo 64 really tried to have a lot of third-party support. Even GameCube the, did at the beginning. In the beginning, they did. yeah. yeah. And, but by 2003, they were kind of like, yep. well, a hockey game is probably going to sell like 400 
thousand copies for us and does that really benefit benefit us in the long run or should yeah. we put out like you know something else so i think they just they kind of like weighed their options and that's the reason why we don't have the the rich hockey legacy on the gamecube mm-hmm. that i mean that we should have i mean mm-hmm. if i if i was on a desert island i would want like fallout 3 um a pokemon game and a hockey game you know, like that's what I would want. You yeah. know, and Marianne and Ginger. You know, but um, <laughs> I mean, oh, it's such. It's just like one of the most underrated sports games ever. It's just, it's, it's a, to me, it's the greatest sport in the world, and it's one of the one of the sports that like just plays so great on in in video games. Like baseball game, baseball. I love baseball, but it's boring. And baseball video games are boring unless they're arcade. Mm-hmm. And hockey games right. are just so different. It's so much fun to play a hockey game. It's all action. Like yep. it's not yep. like the like Madden games. Madden games are basically like if you like turn-based RPGs, you're probably yep. gonna like Madden. <laughs> yep. But hockey games is very much like if you like action shooter games, like mm-hmm. Call of Duty, hockey sports games are definitely the best for you. And that's also the same with playing. I played the hits games a lot because I love the I love the arcadiness of it. But I was much more playing sports uh, in person. Mm-hmm. Trying to go back now and play some more sports games uh, now that I have a bit more time. But uh, definitely Mike is the history buff when it comes to playing these games back uh, back in the day. But uh, no, Patrick, thank you so much for coming on the show today, man. You're an absolute treasure of knowledge and uh, really appreciate you taking the time to, uh, to join us for our NHL episode. Um, before we let you go, though, I just want to give you the opportunity to just maybe pitch uh, where where folks can find you, some things you're working on, things you've done. Um, yeah, the stage is yours. Yeah, sure. So um, if you're interested in any of the stuff that I've talked about uh, so far, you can go to patrickhickeyjr.com. Um, there's a link where you could find out about my voice acting work, um, about my writing and video games, about all of my books. You can buy all of my books straight from patrickhickeyjr.com. They're also available on Barnes & Noble, Target, Walmart, Amazon, wherever fine books are sold digitally you don't even have to go into a bookstore um you could just buy them online and the cool part is if you buy directly through me um i sign your book i write a little something in there you guys are from toronto i know you're not maple leafs fans but um (laughs) if you guys bought the book for me for example um I'd have your email address. I'd shoot you an email. I'd be like, oh, so what are you into? And if you told me like, oh, you know, I'm a Calgary Flames fan. I I have tons and tons of hockey cards and things like that. And I've slipped in like, you know, Jerome Ginlis and like, you know, Craig Conroy cards and people's, you know, books that were hockey fans. And like, (laughs) that's awesome. And um, there's about four or five games that are coming out in 2021 that I've either written for, and we're talking like side quests, missions, and things like that, or, or story, or that I've done some type of either lead voice acting or narration voice acting. And so like, I'm totally looking forward to what 2021 brings for me. So, so wow. yeah. Wow. Congratulations on everything you've done and everything you're working on right now. It sounds like don't don't forget don't forget to take a nap sometime this year too, man. Like have an orange slice or something. I have two kids. I'm sh- I'm not sure if you guys heard the microwave in the background, but it's like a little uh, bit, but it's fine. Yeah, I've got I've got a three year old and uh, an eight month old and a lovely wife and a cat and a dog. So it's like I never wow. I never ever get to sleep, and neither <laughs> my wife sleeps even less than me. So I'm just wow. gonna keep uh, keep the pedal to the metal and just do as much as I possibly can. So, I like it. I like it. Yeah, oh, love that. Man. Thanks so much, Patrick. We really appreciate it, and we hope to uh, see you again soon. Absolutely. Thank you. Take care, Patrick. See you later. Take care, man. What a nice young man. What a nice young man. Oh my God, Patrick. Thank you so much for all of that information. I uh, I need to sit down. <laughs> 
I'm already sitting down. I need to sit down again. I feel like I need to just quit everything, dude. He's he's so he's got so much like accomplished. He's written all these books. He's been a voice actor, writer, and, and just so many things. I feel like I need to just not sleep for a few weeks to catch up with him. Like <laughs> my God, he's he's like a god in terms of video game knowledge. And I can't. I hope we can have him back on again sometime soon. Oh, I'm, sure, I'm sure we we will we will make sure we have him back on. Definitely for sure. Um, so I think now's probably a good time to just talk about the NHL games as a whole. We'll go over some of our memories with the games. We'll have our next couple callers on. So I'm just gonna introduce nhl 2003 right now um but my voice is feeling a little bit scratchy so i think i'm gonna need marty to uh to breathe the back of the case marty are you ready for that yeah i'm ready <clears throat> okay marty cool <laughs> <laughs> i love that intensity all right here we go on september 30th 2002 nhl 2003 was released it was developed by ea vancouver published by ea sports it's also on ps2 xbox and windows rates about a four out of five if you wanted to pick it up you're going to lose about ten dollars this is obviously a hockey sports game and on the cover we have jerome iginilla <laughs> <laughs> Not bad. Honestly, it's honestly, not, not bad. <laughs> I, think we I wasn't have to ready for the last name. <laughs> I wasn't ready for that. Iginla. There we go. Iginla. Just, just say it normally. Why, why are you, why are you adding know, another syllable? <laughs> Marty, hit us with the back of the case. It's time to read what's on the back of the case. There's things written on the back of the case. Let's read them. And now we're reading the back of the case. Take total control. Pull off amazing deeks with the new dynamic deke control for complete control of the stick and puck. Break the game wide open. <laughs> Build up the meter and trigger a game breaker to beat the defense and go one-on-one -on -one with the goalie. Loki, a really nice hat, but I think they got rid of it. Improved goalie AI. Make game-saving grabs on breakaways and rebounds, including cool desperation saves. Play your cards right. Reach key milestones and earn points for NHL cards to unlock boosts, cheats, and other fun features. And finally, EA Sports Tracks. Here we go. Featuring cool new music from Default, Papa Roach, Jimmy Eat World, Queens of the Stone Age, Gob, <laughs> and many more. Remember Default? <laughs> yep. Jeez. Not for real, wasting real. <laughs> I'm just wasting my time. Oh, yeah. I think that's them. Yeah, that sounds yep. like them. Yep. But, um, yeah, so, Marty, did you play, I mean, obviously you played some of these games, but uh, you've played NHL 03, and you've played that on the PC, not the GameCube. Yes, I, I just, we got to stay, we got to stay on default for a bit here, guys, because my, my favorite fact about default or well my only fact i suppose is that the lead singer of that band went on to have went on to be like a pretty successful canadian country artist um his his name is dallas smith yeah he's he's yep. probably like one of probably two or three like pretty notable um country singers and i remember having this moment listening to like country radio obviously joking about it and then hearing his voice obviously. and being like that's the guy from default and i was right that was what it, like just an absolute like vindication to be like this guy anyways he's he's, he's had a career he's had a career he's had a career that's no one's doubting that <laughs> no one's doubting he had a career okay that's good to know but yeah i uh, i did i did want to ask about nhl 03 now that we're starting on that topic uh obviously that was the first game, uh, the first EA game for the GameCube that came out. It's a really fun game. I played it not on the GameCube, but on the PC. Uh, Marty, you also played this game on the PC. Yeah, and, and it's 
it is really strange and perhaps it, it makes the most sense to be um with the gamecube to start but it had the strange commentators do you remember like the the color commentator would just be making jokes the whole time <laughs> yeah I actually and I, it, it it seemed it seemed to match that like i guess going to gamecube at that time yeah no i thought i thought the game was i thought the game was was really good and yeah that's probably the most hours i logged on on the ones listed here um but yeah the game breaker was a good feature and then i think that they ended up getting rid of the the color commentator immediately like the next year <laughs> mm-hmm. which i was just thinking about how funny that would be to get enough hate mail about how this guy is saying like <laughs> yeah because craig simpson it- is on 04 mm-hmm. yeah i don't, and, I don't and, know who it is on 03 03 is voiced by jim jim Houston and don taylor don taylor yeah. that's right yeah 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 mm-hmm. and like the the thing too with with jim Houston is and the NHL is notorious or NHL series is notorious for this. They would just keep reusing the same um, voice, clips. The same voice clips, but Jim clearly had recorded like potentially hundreds and hundreds of new lines to his, so like to interact with Don Taylor. Mm-hmm. So when I picked up the next game, it would just be like, Oh, this is where he says this and where he says this, but they just cut it out, which mm-hmm. I always thought was really funny. Oh. Hours wasted. Hours wasted. <laughs> Literally yeah, hours. Houston had been the series announcer since NHL 97, so this was like his, what, sixth game, I guess? Um, yeah, and he, he kept going until NHL 12 or 11. It was whenever they switched to the NBC licensing, and then mm-hmm. they got rid of him and they put in the NBC guy. Yeah, Jim. I mean, Jim Houston, obviously, he kind of used to call the West Coast Canada games for, for many years, especially in the 90s. And when Bob Cole retired for Hockey Night in Canada, he kind of took over full-time duties, and he's been doing it ever since. It is it is interesting, uh, like, and we'll get to this with the band Gob as well. Um, <laughs> every, like, the... I know obviously that the game is developed on the West Coast, but there's so many connections to Vancouver. Like yes. de- de- defaults of Vancouver band, gobs of Vancouver band. Both of these broadcasters were based in Vancouver. Like it's it's just endless. John McComb will be coming on very soon. Uh, also based in Vancouver. Oh wow, mm-hmm. it's yeah. local. Yeah, it's, lo- it's a lo- it's a local game. Yeah, love that. <laughs> and and we even have in 05, we have Naslin on the cover, so we have some Vancouver connections there. But um, there is a funny story that you were telling me, Marty, before you came on uh, the show, and it was about 03, and 03 objectively has one of the best soundtracks. I mean, all these games have really solid soundtracks for their time, Uh, but Marty, you had a problem with the PC version, correct? Yeah, I I don't know. I think this was a licensing thing, but there were only three songs that were in the the main menu, so it was default... Jimmy Eat World and Papa Roach, which I mean, for me, when I was like 11 or whatever, I was like, sick. These are the best, three best artists in living. This is peak music. <laughs> no, like, I mean, look, like these are some of the best artists to ever walk this earth. And so I was happy that there was those three, but that was it. And yeah. I was, it was something you notice like later on in life that was like, oh, there's actually supposed to be like 14 songs. <laughs> and yeah, and, and no one knows it, like no one knows would play before every game. There would be a pregame sequence where they yeah. would be like putting on their gloves and looking hard as hell <laughs> and it would play, but it wouldn't play during the main menu, which made no sense. No one knows is a sick walk up song that it's would like to start, to start uh, to like to like have the lineup introductions. That that would mm-hmm. be sweet. I like to think that Papa Roach, their listenership on Spotify dropped to zero uh when the pandemic happened because the gyms were closed. So no one could listen to Papa Roach in the gym anymore. So they just went from like whatever it was they were getting a day to zero because no one was bench pressing anymore listening to Last Resort. Well, something you can do during during the during coronavirus during the pandemic is drive around in your Ford F one fifty. Nice. Cut so my I think life I think that's two pieces. 
Let's let's move on a little bit to NHL 04. I think people kind of see this as one of the best. Yep. If not the best of the franchise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, Mike, NHL 2004, released on September 20th, 2003, developed by EA Black Box, uh, published by EA Sports. It's also on PS2 and Xbox and Windows. Rates, again, 4 out of 5. Now, the price for this game is interesting because it ranges from, you may find it at as low as maybe $15 to as high as $255. So, we really wanted to talk about why there's such a big price gap between the two. Yeah, let's talk about that, Marty. We, we know why. The cover athlete changed from Danny Heatley to Colorado's Joe Sackick. I don't know why. <laughs> mm. Probably nothing happened, right? Yeah. No. It's fine. He, he joined default. That was <laughs> Danny Heatley quit hockey and he had to go join default. So, <laughs> to, to people who don't know out there, who don't know what happened, so Danny Heatley was a really star player, a huge player on the Atlanta Thrashers at the time. And in September, I believe, of 2003, him and teammate Dan Snyder uh, got in a car accident. And Danny Heatley was actually to blame uh, for the cause of Dan Snyder's death. Obviously, NHL did not want to have their hands dirty with having uh, a controversial figure on the cover. So they immediately switched it over to everyone's favorite, Joe Sackick. Yeah, like what a bland choice, too. Yeah, like in, in what... In what like context has that ever happened? I know there was an issue with like Ray Lewis in the Madden cover, but that wasn't, I think, until a couple years later. Like it is, yeah, it's, they didn't imagine it or anything. Yeah, imagine that PR nightmare, right? Like that's happening. Yeah, as the game is being printed. Imagine that today, right? Like that mm. is just crazy. I mean, back then, obviously, it's still pretty crazy ramifications, but today, even even more so with social media and and everything and just you know 24-hour news uh but uh, i always thought that i had the rare copy i thought heatley was the rare copy i am wrong it is sakic who is the rare copy uh because they had already printed you know uh thousands hundreds of thousands of these copies and sakic ones were just the 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 second edition prints so right yeah, the uh, the Dan the Dan Heatley uh, covers range around the fifteen to twenty dollar mark, depending on the condition and uh, if you have a manual or not. And then the Joe Sackick versions are two hundred and fifty five dollars, and they're not that many of them. I could only find one. Very hard to find. <sighs> very very pricey indeed. Yeah. No no difference in the game. No difference in the game. Uh, yep. The the soundtrack in this game though, just got to cover that now, is probably my favorite of the bunch. You got brand new Alien Ant Farm, Bowling for Soup, Jet, the Ataris, Avenged Sevenfold, and Less Than Jake. <laughs> you saved the ska for last. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely, man. I mean, I I had to throw Alien Ant Farm into the middle. I didn't want to sound too excited. And Alien Ant Farm with something other than Smooth Criminal, which yeah. is I think pretty in, uh, important. To, or to movies. Know. Movies is a good song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something I needed to check with you guys about this game, I don't know if this is true or not, it was like a fun fact on an NHL wiki page, is that members of Alien Ant Farm and Gob appear as playable characters in this game, as well as, as, well as some of the EA developers. Yeah, Gob, I can only speak for Gob. I love Gob. <laughs> um, so, yeah, also for context, I Hear You Calling by Gob was in NHL 2002, which, yes. and that's, uh, for I guess for more context, I will send, I used when I had Snapchat, I would send um, a video... Uh, of of gob i hear you calling playing to mike whenever i would hear it and i probably did that i did that to like many people that i knew and did that for probably about 10 years uh (laughs) just just to really annoy people gob specifically has a very uh, like tight relationship with nhl as a whole like they were in a recent documentary made about nhl 94 
that I, I, I remember sending to Mike because I was just like watching it and all of a sudden, yeah, like Tom from Gob and Theo were there and they talked about how they were so intertwined with EA Sports and, and working with them that like, yeah, eventually they, yeah, they were in the game. Which is just like crazy. That's awesome. It's just and people just like listening. I'm 99 of people are like, no one cares. Like, who is this band? <laughs> and yeah, it's like exactly. It was just they were completely flash in the pan. <laughs> so it's oddly a consensus choice. I'm not sure exactly why. When I know you guys will probably battle with this a lot. Just the idea of like nostalgia of affecting people's perceptions of games but going back and mike and i met actually on an online hockey forum specifically dating based site too yeah and dating site specifically yeah. based around modding nhl, NHL. games yeah nhl 09 and, specifically yeah so it started with nhl 09 but <laughs> in and mike maybe you can help me along with this but when i joined it seems specifically or most directed at nhl 09 but that game was actually quite bad yes so eventually a lot of people started going back to say hey let's mod nhl 04 because it was quite good and then you play it a little bit more and you get to you know better appreciate it in that sense and now and you are absolutely correct there marty nhl 04 is being modded all the time and being updated constantly it is uh there are if you just google nhl 04 one of the first couple of articles that will come up are all about how people are really still into this game and um, how people are modding this constantly. Also, the fact that they don't make PC NHL games anymore is no. a big reason why. But uh, yeah, a lot of people think NHL 04 probably has some of the best uh, physics, some of the best uh, just overall skating engines. It's got that perfect mix of realism mixed with uh, with arcadiness, mm. as uh, Patrick was saying earlier too. So yeah, NHL 04 really, I think, kind of hits the mark perfectly. You know, obviously playing that game and playing in a, a new NHL game is is a pretty stark difference and I'm sure people have different opinions but I did do some research in terms of metacritic in terms of just any like critical opinions hmm. uh it is often uh put down as the third best NHL game that's about uh out of 25 different games uh, NHL 08 and NHL 10 are actually right above it so hmm. those are actually considered even better games it's probably the last sort of off ramp to if if you played like NHL ninety four. You know what I yes. mean? It, it had it has that it has that level of playability and like it it really does sort of strike a chord. Mm -hmm. All right, Mike, I think it's probably about time we moved on to NHL two thousand five. But before we do that, why don't you hit us with the back of the case for NHL two thousand four? Sure. Got it right here. Oh, I heard it. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Hard-hitting NHL action. It's more physical than ever with an all-new fighting system, right analog bruise control, and intense board play. Go deep into dynasty mode. Total control on the ice. New EA Sports bio. All-new elite leagues. Uh, and you can play up with a GM up to 20 seasons and earn a spot in the GM Hall of Fame as you negotiate contracts, conduct drafts, make trades, deal with free agency, and more. Oh my god, I can't believe I was going to end this without talking about the GM, the Dynasty mode. Oh, the Dynasty brilliant. mode in this is so good. It is the best GM Dynasty any kind of mode in any sports game I have ever played. It's so in-depth in terms of the fact that you can actually customize your office depending on how much money you make in the year. I always tried to get the, the big eagle for my office. Um, it, it is The Dynasty mode is unbelievable for a 2003 video game. Yeah, I, I remember playing that as well and being like flabbergasted because you, you're invested in it, right? They yeah, gave you something yeah. to invest in, which was great. Yeah. 
I think that's I think that's a big part of sports games that someone like me from an outsider like I don't know much about sports games and I have to do a little bit of research and I find out these little kind of extras that are thrown into them like it's not just playing hockey picking your favorite team and playing against your least favorite team there's also this GM mode where you can be the head coach or the general manager of the team in the newer games you can chat with the players like they just throw in all of these random extras that a lot of people probably don't know about you just assume it's oh it's a hockey game you play hockey but there's this it, you can do it right and you can do it wrong. I think that having just being able to chat with players and building relationships with them, I don't know if that's really fun, but having like this kind of ownership of a team, almost like Roller Coaster Tycoon when you owned a park and you had profits and margins and everything, it was, it was just a fun way to feel like you really own it. Um, and it sounds like this was one of the highlights highlights of NHL 2004. Oh, yeah. Um, after after researching for this show, I like I, I've become like a really really sold on NHL 2004. I think that that's probably going to be my game of choice by the end of the episode. But we'll see uh, what we can. Neil. I don't know, Mike. We haven't covered NHL 2005 or six yet. So let's go to 05. Geez, all right. NHL 2005 was released on September 2004. Sorry, September 20th, 2004. Developed by EA Black Box, published by EA Sports. It's also on PS2 and Xbox. Rates around four out of five. Uh, it, you can pick it up for about five dollars. On the cover, here we go. Marcus Nasland. Yeah. How's that? That's, yeah. All right. You got it. Good job. Cool. But yeah, NHL 05, Marty, your memories of this? Um, a little bit. I only just played it at friends' places on a GameCube. Um, but yeah, it was it was solid. But again, you're kind of getting it like, I mean, that's we kind of talked about when I was on the FIFA series. Every couple of years, you get kind of a game that looks a lot like the other one. And then that's it. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> the, the, I, I got to say for, for NHL 05, so in my mind... I kind of was thinking the same thing before I played them this week, but playing them and seeing all the differences and especially like the, the graphics and how you go about the menu, there's there's a bunch of small but important changes uh, in here. Also, the controls got a little uh, a little better too in, um, in NHL 05. I believe uh, the hitting uh, is much better. You can use your hit stick like actually now instead of... Because you had to use a C stick to hit mm-hmm. properly. It's a really fast game too. It's faster than 04. I, I noticed that right away. The speed burst is is quite a bit uh, more noticeable uh, when you use it where 04 was a little more sluggish, which is actually okay because it was a bit more real. Mm-hmm. But yeah, mm-hmm. 05 felt a, uh, felt like it, it leaned a little bit more towards more arcadiness. They also threw in a couple extras in there, like uh, some new arenas and some old logos that were kind of rehashed and brought back. Like this game has 30 NHL arenas, um, several from around the world, like Nuremberg, Oh yeah, Stockholm, yeah there's Helsinki, the European stuff in here. Prague. Yeah. yeah. Um, then there's the old NHL jerseys and logos, which were available in this game, uh, including the defunct Atlanta Flames, Winnipeg Jets, Colorado Rockies, the Quebec Nordiques, as well as the old style LA Kings, Washington Capitals, and Vancouver Canucks uniforms from the 70s and 80s. So that's kind of neat. Oh, I mean, uniform control was always uh, very important. That's very important, if not the most important thing. Sure. It's a lot of fun. (laughs) And then, of course, the soundtrack. Who could forget? We had Faith No More, Franz Ferdinand's Sugar Cult, Dropkick Murphy's, and Papa Roach came back as well. I always think of, um, oh, my God, From from Out of Nowhere by Faith No More is the song that I associate NHL 05 with. Now, the network was on this. Isn't that like that Green Day, like, knockoff? Or not knockoff, like the their second band or whatever you know what i'm talking about that's right it's a six-piece the new wave band <laughs> love that nothing yes uh, i'm not gonna lie mike nothing gets me more excited than the words green day and new wave so. <laughs> thank you thank you for uh bringing that to our attention marty yeah no problem let's get to nhl 06 oh we gotta read the back of the box let's do it. i got it i got it right here yeah yeah go for it mike 
EA Sports open ice control. Seamlessly switch between players with or without the puck. Call for passes or shots, double team an opponent, or set a pick. The World Cup of Hockey. The top eight national teams face off in authentic European and North American venues. Face-off playbook. Choose different face-off strategies after the whistle. Plan on attacking your opponent's zone or protect the net before the puck drops. EA Sports free-for-all. One net, one goalie. It's every man for himself, as up to four players try to outscore each other in this winner-take-all competition. Yeah, that's... Uh, I I think I have probably put more hours into NHL 05 and 04 than almost any other game. Wow, and you've played a lot of Nightfire. And i played a lot of Nightfire. Yeah, it's... Uh, I mean, this is all I played as a kid, really. When you're a yeah. kid, you don't get... Well, I didn't get very many games. Uh, no. You get one on your birthday and one at Christmas, maybe. And yeah. Then that's and, it. And obviously, people who knew me, I was a big hockey fan. Still am. And so, NHL games were an easy buy, for sure. But yep. you know what yep. wasn't an easy buy for my parents was NHL 06, which they refused to buy me. Okay, let's try, and, let's try and find out why here, Mike. September 6, 2005 brought us NHL 2006, developed by EA Canada, published by EA Sports. It's also on PS2, Xbox, and Windows. Rates about 4 out of 5. This game's slightly more expensive at $8. Cover uh, athlete Vincent LeCavier. That's Am pretty I good. Close? Yeah, LeCavalier. Yeah, I mean, yeah. LeCavalier. Uh, <laughs> featured on the North American cover. Um, Nordic countries were uh, Tuomo Ruto. Rudu? Oh, Rudu. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tuomo Rudu, yep. Cool. Um, so yeah, we got slightly improved graphics, the return of create a player features back, uh, most notably absent from NHL 2005. Yes. Mike, perhaps your parents didn't want to buy you this game because this was the first uh, e rated E game, but it was E10. Oh so were goodness. you you were 13 in 2006, but perhaps your parents thought this was too mature for young Mike Lane. Probably way too mature for me. No, they just didn't <laughs> want to buy it because yeah, I, I did. It. I mentioned earlier in the episode, rented it from Roger's video, Marty. Um, good times. I love that. <laughs> Yeah, I, pl I mm -hmm. played a ton of NHL 06. This was like my hockey game, I guess, growing mm -hmm. up. And it wasn't on GameCube. I don't know why this was exclusively on the PlayStation. No, this was on GameCube. No, um, uh, sorry, a special feature that was exclusively on the PlayStation was like an NHL 94, like, Redux. It's yep. It was it was really well done. I'm not sure if you're even aware of this, Mike, but like you could play. No. Yeah, it was essentially a, a reskin of NHL 94, and it would just be on the main menu, so you could just hop in and play, and yeah, mm -hmm. play on like a PlayStation PlayStation 2 uh, controller. That was yeah, that was really interesting too because I think they redid that. The NHL series did like another, maybe in like 2013, they did another sort of similar similar gimmicky thing to make people buy the game. But I thought like yeah. that was there was very like there were a ton of like interesting features. One thing that I do remember that I was glad was mentioned online when I looked this up was there was no Crosby or Ovechkin. And yes. that was just bizarre. <laughs> like, cause, cause you're playing, like you're playing this game in like 2007 and you don't have like two of these massive players and like people that would just be synonymous with the game at that point. <laughs> so good. I, and I, I was actually, I wanted to bring that up too. Cause yeah, you're a hundred percent right. And that was kind of because of the lockout. Mm -hmm obviously, which which just came before. So it is really weird that they didn't put Ovechkin and Crosby in. My, the only thing I can think of is that maybe they weren't technically part of the NHLPA at the time. Yeah, there must have been some sort of gray area time for sure. Yeah. yeah. So I actually have a file on 05 uh, where I, I did dynasty mode as as the Penguins, and I, I created a player, or I guess it was 04. I created a player, and I, I made, um, uh, I put Crosby in there, so. 
Uh, Mike, I was actually going to say, I have a reason for why uh, they're not in there. Um, so NHL 2006 was released earlier than expected. Uh, they were trying to boost sales against Take-Two Interactive's NHL 2K6 mm. uh, and the competing Gretzky NHL games. So because of the uh, accelerated development time, the 2005 draft class is not included in NHL 2006. Oh, okay. Um, that so that's sense. why uh, Ovechkin and uh, Crosby aren't there. Um, but like what you said, uh, people could just create those players themselves if they wanted to. Yeah, but um, it's not with the, the creator. Come on, Neil. No, and no, I, it's not. But I think NHL NHL six. I'm not sure. It's just uh, I hate to sort of say this offhand, but it seemed like it was an incredibly popular game. Like I, I'm not yes. sure. It, mm-hmm. it probably was cut when it was coming off of the lockout and hockey sort of had that bit of like resurgence. I know even in in our sort of circles, like it was, and there was a big like a big marketing push like across the board. Right, it was essentially oh, yeah. like a, a mm-hmm. new game a new sport right like that was kind of the stick yeah it seemed to do quite well game super like every game would end like seven six with my friend you could score so easily it was annoying (laughs) i think they were trying to do that with the new rules too because the whole idea with like the new post lockout rules was uh like less obstruction uh penalties and stuff like that you know no more two-line pass rule that was gone. Uh, everything was supposed to speed up the game and and get more goals, which it did. I'm, so I'm sure that that was one mm-hmm. of the things that the developers tried to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then that's it. Then they didn't do another one for the GameCube. That's crazy. Let's talk about that for just a second here. Um, 06 was the last game that came out for the GameCube. 07, which definitely could have come out for the GameCube, did not. And that you know is mostly attributed, I think. Uh, as uh, Patrick Hickey, who was on earlier, did talk about it a bit. But uh, for me, I think it's mostly attributed to the fact that EA and Nintendo had and still do have a terrible relationship. Yeah, they tried to uh, like they did sales of EA games on Nintendo hardware were never that great. That was part of it. I don't have a huge history on why EA severed ties with Nintendo. They did try to come back with the Wii U generation. We got a few random EA games at the beginning of that. Like we got a Mass Effect trilogy for some reason. Mm-hmm. But then since then, we've only had FIFA games on the Switch. Yeah, uh, it's been a very tough uh, relationship between the that developer and Nintendo, and it's it's probably impacted Nintendo hardware sales to a certain degree. With the Switch, we've seen them come back on their own, kind of with Animal Crossing and Mario Kart and the Pokemon games. And the Switch in general is doing super well without EA. EA has released a few of their indie games, like we got Unravel a few years ago, which was nice. But it's it's really sad to see that they still refuse to not put Madden and uh, NHL games on Nintendo hardware. Yeah. That's very strange. Mm-hmm. That's and as my friend Jason, he couldn't come on today, but he did want to say this quote that he uh, that he was telling me, uh, and he said it's really a shame that the GameCube just missed out on the golden age slash redefining control scheme in the NHL mm-hmm. games. And he's talking about the skill stick, obviously, Marty. Right, right. We all know what the skill and, stick uh, is. The skill stick, <laughs> basically, the whole idea here is the fact that you know back basically for for oh, ten plus years you played. NHL games by pressing A to pass, B to shoot. That was basically it. With the advent of new controllers, better technology, the devs realized that it's probably better to use the joysticks as a hockey stick. You can it's a pretty natural move in terms of actually shooting the puck. And 07 and 08, 07 kind of did it, but 08 was like kind of the the real game that did the skill mm-hmm. stick, which is why it's usually rated as the best one. And uh obviously People were, you know, kind of lament that GameCube never got to have this. But do you really want to shoot with the C oh, stick? Oh God, no! Oh <laughs> man, that would have, dude, no. that would have sucked so. Yeah, much. it would have been really bad. Uh, yeah, it's it's a shame that we didn't get 07. Um, but I mean, I I get it. Mm-hmm. 
and you, you had 07 on PS3 and Xbox 360, so eventually you could have played it elsewhere. Yeah, so. It's just funny because Madden 08 ends up being for the, the GameCube as well, right? So we get two extra Maddens. That's true. And not uh, two extra NHLs, but yeah. We yeah, pretty pretty uh, weird soundtrack on this one. This was when like that mid two thousands emo phase was definitely in full swing. We had <laughs> Avenged Sevenfold, Billy Talent, Bullet for My Valentine, Fallout Boy, mm. uh, and then like Penny Pennywise made it in there and OK Go as well. But oh, uh, OK Go, wow. Yeah, the OK Go mm. song yeah. was was quite good. Yeah, I loved it. Yep. I loved it. Yep. All right, so uh, should I read the back of the case for two thousand six, Mike? Yeah, go for All it. All right, well, this is the first time I've read a case for today. Cool. <laughs> The Rush is back. All new EA Sports Skill Stick. Take full control of the puck as you execute signature moves and create highlight real goals like an NHL All-Star. EA Sports RPM Physics. With new realistic puck momentum dynamics, the puck can stun goalies with the shots off the mask and knock water bottles off the top of the net. Classic deep control. All new momentum skating. Enter the creation zone. Create a player who looks like you with the new analog facial sculpting controls Add black eyes, broken noses, and more. Just like, <laughs> that's what I look like. <laughs> Dynasty mode, sim intervention. Jump in the middle of a simulated game to earn money for your franchise. The harder the challenge, the bigger oh, the yeah. reward. Right. Yeah, so that skill stick is, uh, that that's not the one that we were just discussing before. That skill stick is basically just the deking aspect that you can mm-hmm. kind of do more stuff with the C stick to deke. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm not offended. <laughs> so just before we depart from from the nhl series like this is something that these these soundtracks are they stand out in such a way and i know i'm just saying this from i know because mike at least uh i know neil sort of approached this music differently but like this was a big tastemaker for a lot of kids and a lot of people and i saw okay I, i i do not want to promote this um, anyways, okay. There's a there's a website a website called Bar Down. People who know hockey would know quite well, and they did a big interview with um, essentially the head of EA Soundtracks at the time. I think his name was like Steve Schnur. And there's actually there's an accompanying podcast as well if you just want to hop over after this and, and listen to it because it's a super interesting look into what they wanted to do because he in part of his pitch and he would do like all the other games like Madden and FIFA whatever his pitch when he first got the job in 2001 was that music curation and discovery is an important part of people's lives mm-hmm. and right now your demographic are like 13 year olds (laughs) you know what i mean it was like it was the perfect one-to-one and he talks he talks about which i find fascinating um picking songs off of demos he would he the, the songs wouldn't even be out yet because he said his goal would be to go to the record company like a sort of like an official licensing meeting and have the accountant or whoever going through and saying oh i actually don't have that in my system because he was trying to pick out songs that would come out like literally around the same time. And he nice. and he and he ended up picking a couple songs blind or his team did. Like uh he I know Avenge Sevenfold are not good. I I mean I don't think they're very good, but they talked about how he picked that band. They had they they were unsigned and he heard that song in NHL 6 and picked them and then they ended up forming like a relationship where there was always Avenge Sevenfold songs yes, in FIFA there was, yeah. and like or in FIFA and in, in NHL or whatever. And again, it was I'm so glad he mentioned curated because that's something like looking back where it it really was it felt curated. It felt like this is a specific thing you wanted to do. He mentioned that when he got his job. And think about it: if you're gonna pick an NHL soundtrack like for a game, wouldn't you just pick like 
I don't know, like Ramones or like um, the Zambonis. The Zamb- How oh, we oh yeah, far without talking. Of about course, the yeah, yeah. We finally got to the Zamb- <laughs> or like you know, like the like the Jock Jams, right? And he said, yeah, and yeah, he yeah. asked that question: Do we want to sound like hockey, or do we want to sound like something that people would be interested in listening to? And I thought that's yeah. brilliant. That's exactly what you should be doing to add to this, right? Hundred percent. I mean, couldn't agree more. You've echoed everything I would have said about these soundtracks, and that's really cool. Um, with that, that that podcast that you mentioned, I'm definitely going to check that out because uh, yeah, it, cur- curated is the right word for sure. And it felt like my my childhood or like my early teen years, I guess, were definitely curated by a lot of these games, specifically the Tony Hawk Underground game, obviously that we talked about earlier, but also NHL 04 and 05 really, I think, had a huge influence on my music taste. And and like not 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 to get stuck in the nostalgia bit, but like okay, FIFA. So FIFA 21 comes out and each year their shtick is that they are picking music from everywhere around the world. So you'll hear yeah. multiple languages. You'll hear just like completely random stuff that you, that like I would not come across. And that for me is so valuable because it's curated. Yes. It makes me think and it makes me like invested in the game in, in maybe in just like sort of a, a smaller realm. Give me some random yeah. stuff from Sweden because that was the other thing he talked about. He picked artists from hockey centers and people that liked hockey because it made the most sense because they would promote it themselves. Like it, I just, it's just, I feel like that really is something missing because why wouldn't you take a risk when someone could just turn the soundtrack off and put on Spotify? Yeah, he's not about risks anymore, Marty. Okay, sorry. Right. <laughs> it is sad because we, I, I mean, I haven't played too many NHLs recently, the new ones, but I know one of the last ones I did play did not have a soundtrack. And that really kind of made me sad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, like I'm, there's EA did so much weird stuff. And just one more for you guys, because I know you'll like this. When I rented uh, the FIFA World Cup game that I talked about the, uh, the first time I was on this show, I also rented NCAA Baseball 2006. Now, that <laughs> game was not very good. I will, I will say that. It was, inter- <laughs> it was interesting, but the soundtrack was done exclusively by Victory Records. They gave oh. they gave victory like and people who don't know that was like sort of like a post hardcore emo sort of realm. Mm-hmm. So it had like Hawthorne Heights, who people would probably know as being emo as hell and pretty much nothing else. Um, bands that I ended up just <laughs> absolutely loving through that time, and and it was looking back like that makes yeah. so much sense. Give it to the people that like and just give it to a record label and say you guys seem like you're cool. Give this a try. It because because again, it made that game <laughs> actually valuable to you know. It passed just the gaming bit. Anyways, v- Victory Records, very strange organization as well. But. <laughs> oh, we Neil and I know very well, and we could talk about Victory Records for many many eons. But uh, I think we are out of time uh, with you right now, Marty. But thank you so much for coming on and talking about some of these soundtracks, some of these games, and honestly, yeah, just like seriously, these games have had a huge impact in my life. I'm sure they've had just as big of an impact in yours. And it's the reason why we know each other, Mike. Oh, it's not in that dating website you made up. You met on. Yes, that was the NHL that, yeah. dating. That's what it was called. Yeah. I <laughs> hear you call it. <laughs> Did he cut out? <laughs> no, he, he specifically left on that note. Oh, okay. Oh, on that note, uh, lead singer of Gob, Marty Thompson, has what left. What a nice young man. What a nice young man. What a what a young man. What a young man. <laughs> what a nice man. Uh. 
All right, so joining us today is John McComb and a little background on John. He's been a voice actor slash radio personality for the last 30 years, has done some pretty amazing stuff, uh, Governor General Award winner, great advocate for mental health, uh, has his own podcasts. He was uh, the in-rink arena announcer for all the EA Sports NHL titles on the GameCube, which is really incredible that we have him here today. So, John, thanks so much for joining us today. Mike and uh, Neil, it's a pleasure to be on, and I, I never actually thought I would be sitting down and talking about uh, working at, at, at EA Sports and doing the NHL series uh, in, <laughs> in, the, in the 2020s, but apparently there's interest, so here I am. <laughs> apparently there's interest. Uh, obviously, John was the arena announcer for all the EA Sports NHL titles on the GameCube, uh, on other consoles as well. What were the exact years, John, that you did it for? Uh, 1999 through 2009. Till 2009. Yeah, that's awesome. I was playing some uh, uh, NHL 2004 today, and I was listening. Obviously, I took the commentary off because I wanted to hear the uh, the arena uh, and see if it's like, is this, is that actually John? <laughs> and yeah, sure enough, I was like, oh wow, that's that's funny uh, <laughs> hearing hearing the voice after I probably heard it a million times before playing these games as a kid. Um, but wanted to ask you a couple of questions, obviously, about it. And I guess the first question is kind of how did that all start? How did you get involved with uh, with this uh, with this franchise? Well, I uh, was working with uh, Jim Hewson. I had worked with Jim Hewson in the past at uh, CKNW Radio here in uh, in Vancouver. And mm -hmm. uh, I think Jimmy started doing the play-by-play -play in 1997, I believe. And right. uh, he gave me a... He gave me a call one day and he said, uh, EA Sports is looking for the voice of a PA announcer. And he said, you know, I, I, you're the first guy I thought of since uh, I did the Canucks, uh, Vancouver Canucks PA announcing at the old Pacific Coliseum from 1982 until about uh, 1988, I guess. Uh, okay. So he said, well, you may as well go and apply for it and audition for it because, <laughs> you know, obviously you've been a PA announcer. They weren't in their new building at that time in Burnaby. They were still in a kind of a rented uh, complex just along the freeway. And, uh, yeah, I went over there and uh, did an audition, and uh, they got back to me with a contract. And so uh, it, was, uh, it was 10 years uh, starting then. Wow. We were talking earlier on in the episode about how – these games all felt like very almost localized games. It seems like kind of everyone from Vancouver got involved in these, including obviously Jim Houston. Well, you know, there's it's a it's a ready market for for that kind of stuff, and uh, I know a lot of the uh, expertise and a lot of the uh, technologists and all those folks. Uh, some of them came up from California, but there were a lot of people here, and I think EA Sports was one of the. Uh, reasons why Vancouver sort of got on the map in terms of uh, video game production. Gosh, I think they were here in the early 90s, if, if not before. It's a small operation to start, but then uh, once everything started to, to gel, uh, I think it was in the early 2000s when they built the, the campus where they are now, beautiful building. The first time I went in to record uh, down in the, the studios, down in the basement, I was just absolutely... Uh, awestruck by the the technology and the and the amount of stuff they had uh and how good their their audio recording was i mean obviously it was a it was a very very big time operation so it was uh, it was a lot of fun 
so tell us a bit about the recording process. I, I guess I'm, I'm really curious, uh, especially the uh, there's some in between segments and in between periods of when you would have to say, I guess, you know, be uh, be environmentally friendly and try and take transit. And there's a lot of funny <laughs> ones that I was I was picking up. Well, so what I did in the uh, the first sessions, I went in and uh, it took several days. It took, um, I think, almost a week of four-hour days to go in and completely redo all of the names, all of the NHL names, all of the teams, all of those references mm-hmm. were had to be in, in my voice. So mm-hmm. the first year was a lot of work. Uh, it was at that point that I, I started to to realize just what a what a behemoth this thing was. Even it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't uh, anywhere near what FIFA was selling or what Madden was selling. But uh, in this country, it's it's gigantic. So right. So we went in and did that, and then as we went along, of course, the game expanded, and they went into they had uh, I think the first year they did European teams. Uh, they did Swedish and Finnish teams. For that, uh, they brought in somebody who spoke, uh, spoke both those languages, both Nordic languages, as a, as a coach. Because I remember when I was doing the Vancouver Canucks PA, the, you know, I, the, the toughest name I came ar- across was Reho Rotsalainen, which uh, <laughs> a, after you said it uh, 20 times, you know, you, it, you got used to it. But uh, just uh, trying to read some of these names uh, by sight was uh, <laughs> for me was vir- <laughs> virtually impossible. Oh, I, yeah. I can believe it. NHL 05 was the first one that had uh, some of the other stadiums as well. So like the the, the you could be in Stock you were in Stockholm you were in um, Helsinki I think and mm-hmm. that's when they had, they kind of started to have a lot more other European teams. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And so after we did the first year's uh, database, then I would go in every year and just uh, just kind of update things, uh, update the names and uh, and whatever uh, new uh, production that they they had put into it. And so it ended up being for me probably about three or four hours a year, but it was it was. They they paid very well. <laughs> yes, I was born and raised in the states, and I moved to Canada, and became a Canadian citizen. and And I realized how um, you know big and how important hockey is. But being on the NHL game really didn't uh, kind of register with me. It was it was a you know it was a side gig. It was a voiceover gig, and yeah. it, it was pretty cool. But you know, I didn't until people started coming up to me and saying. Because usually they'd say, hey, aren't you that guy on CKNW? Uh, and then the young guys started coming up to me and say, hey, aren't you that guy on the NHL series? <laughs> I went, wow, this is amazing. And yeah. then, then they, uh, what was it? Somebody, I got, my name was mentioned in a, in a video game magazine, I think. And uh, I thought, holy cow, this is actually pretty cool. So. <laughs> so it was good. It was a, it was a good, uh, fun experience all the way around. That's awesome. And you always had some, you know, yeah, strange things that you were saying or these promotions for specific arenas. And I, I do have a question for that. Like, do, do you remember any kind of funny ones that you, you would say? Is there anything that sticks out to you? I, I don't. I don't. It must have been something that we did, uh, just did one year. I, I don't recall doing them uh, every year. Uh, but I'm sure sh- I'm sure that that in there somewhere they handed me a 
uh, you know, a couple of sheets of paper and say, just go, go <laughs> knock these off, you know. Hey, fans, don't, <laughs> don't forget to turn off your engine when you park your car. Or... <laughs> <laughs> that was all a script for you then, ready to go. You didn't come up with any. Did they ask you, like, oh, come up with something on your own, or was it all based off of, yeah, it was all you had to say what they said? No, no, it, it, was, it was all very tightly scripted. Yeah, I guess so. They they wouldn't uh, uh, they wouldn't have left it up to me. That's for sure. So, no. Did it lead to any other sort of voice acting opportunities? Like, were you in any other games or movies or cartoons, or was it just the NHL series you stuck to? It was just the NHL series. Although now that I've retired from radio, I'm I'm pursuing uh, more of a voice acting uh, career. And I've been actually okay. thinking about calling them up and seeing if uh, seeing if they've got it, because <laughs> they are so uh, so close. But uh, I, I, I was tr- in fact I spent the last half hour trying to figure out, trying to see how many uh, editions of of the games were sold when I was when I was doing them. And I they must keep that uh, information fairly close because I haven't been able to find out. Now, I was I was told at, at that time at, at the beginning I think it was about. Uh, I think it was about half a million or so, something like that. Yep. We actually had a, a really great journalist on earlier uh, who was talking a lot about the NHL games, and we talked to him about kind of the development and stuff, and he told us that each game in this period, and I guess in the period that you were doing um, the commentary, uh, it was about, yeah, like 500000 uh, to to close to a million a year is how much it sold. Yeah, yeah, which is, uh, which is pretty good when you consider hockey is... Uh, is a is a bit of a you know number number four or five sport in the states, but huge up here, of course, and, and big in Europe. But mm-hmm. I remember when you went down sta- when you went down the stairs, they had this sort of, and of course the place is secure as as uh, any bank vault, you know, because they were <laughs> they were so they were so concerned about people coming in and and trying to swipe their ideas and their uh, oh yeah right. their technological property. I went over to the mo- wanted to see the motion capture studio just. You know, just because I'd never seen it, and it took uh, it took several approvals uh, for me to get in there, even though I was working for them. So, <laughs> very, wow. very uh, tight uh, security-wise. But uh, yeah, no, it's uh, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. It sounds amazing. Yeah. Yeah, thank you so much for for sharing some of that and some of those memories. And uh, I do have one one request, uh, John. Could you say uh, last minute of the play in the third period? Okay, boys, <clears throat> be prepared to be amazed. <laughs> last minute of play in the third period. <laughs> oh, that's great. that was so cool. <laughs> oh man, that was awesome. My invoice is in the mail on the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much, John. Uh, if you cool. want to take this time to plug any of your podcast or anything you're working on, please, uh, you have the floor. Well, I'm uh, currently, uh, as you know, uh, Mike, uh, I have a website uh, because you, you designed it. And <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's beautiful. It's fantastic. Um, it's where I'm putting all of my, uh, my voice demos if people are any casting agents out there. Uh, I also have my my podcast, and I have a, a financial show that I do with uh, a financial advisor named Laurie Pinkowski, which is up there. And I'm going to be updating the the voice demos in the next couple of weeks. I'm just working on the the final touches to get those up. And uh, yeah, so if you have any spare time and are really bored, uh, go to johnmccomb.com, J-O-N-M-C-C-O-M-B.com. 
you can check it out. You can check out his great voice demos and my great design. <laughs> yeah, cool. Double-edged sword. Love it. All right, boys. Thank you so much for coming today, John. This was awesome. I loved hearing you. You have a great voice. I can't wait to listen to some of your podcasts, too. I hear you have a financial one. I'm into that stuff, too. So I'm going to go check that out after this. Well, thanks again, John. Okay, and, guys. Uh, we'll thanks, see you John. soon. Take care. Take care. Bye. Bye. What a nice young man. Oh, that was amazing to have John Dude. McComb on the Ing Arena announcer for all those NHL games. Uh, and oh, when he when he said the last minute of play of the third period, I got chills. <laughs> yeah, me too. I was going to say, how did it feel to have someone who you've listened to for years at this point in their voice tell you that you did a great job on their website? How does that feel? That felt like, nice. That felt that felt yeah. nice. Well, so it's funny because I got in contact with John with uh, from friend of the show, Victor. And well, friend of the show, mm-hmm. Victor, the Victor, who does all our uh, <laughs> our openings and yep. closings. Um, mm-hmm. Victor, obviously, who is in uh, Vancouver, British Columbia. He knows John from working at the radio station together. John needed a website. Okay. We talked, and uh, Victor, Victor just casually mentioned, was like, "Oh, by the way, I think he did like some voice acting for NHL." I was like, "What voice acting? What are you talking about? There's no voice acting in NHL." And yeah. the voice. <laughs> The yeah, like other than the commentators, the voice that you hear, the the in game yeah. arena. So that's so cool, so crazy. I'm glad he could take some time out of his weekend to talk to us. That was a lot of fun. Um, anyway, Mike, before we end off the show, do you mind if I just quickly go over NHL 2K3? I know we talked about it at the start of the show a bit with Patrick. I just wanted to read the basic stats yeah. and, of course, the back of the case. We don't have to go into it at all, really. I just wanted to do that unless you have something you wanted to say about it. Go for it. Go for it, Neil. All right, cool. NHL 2K3 was released on December 11th, 2002, developed by Treyarch, published by Sega. It's also on PS2 and Xbox. Rates about a 4 out of 5, so quality-wise, it's about as good as the NHL games. Uh, Priced at around $60, it obviously didn't have as high of a print back then because everyone was buying the NHL games. Uh, And on the front of the case, we have Jeremy Roenick. That's right. Jeremy's on there. Bad boy Jeremy Roenick. Bad boy Jeremy Roenick <laughs> is on there. Sega Sports on the cover. Yeah. But yeah, like I said before, it doesn't have the same punch, you know, I feel as, as the EA covers. Yeah, no, it doesn't. It's, uh, it, it, I mean, it, looking at it at a quick glance, you might get mixed up with an NHL game, I suppose. But uh, The NHL games yeah. are just so like bold and they're, they are, I got to give them credit. Yep. All right, Mike, before we close out the episode now, I'm just going to read the back of the case. The Complete Player and the Complete Game, ESPN Broadcast Presentation, Natural Camera Transitions, Cutscenes, and Overlay Graphics create a smooth game flow from face-offs to penalty whistles, all presented in authentic ESPN style. Heads-up play execution, teammates work together to set up plays and employ strategy based on team strengths. Ruthless new power plays will make you pay for frivolous penalties. An uh, in-depth franchise mode. Take on the roles of GM, coach, scout, and player to build a franchise that plays your style of hockey. Negotiate contracts, make trades, draft hotshot rookies, and more. Absolute bench control. Evaluate your team's skills, then put that knowledge to work by anchoring lines with key players and rotating your lines to create the matchups you want to see on the ice. I don't want to see that. Got no, it. <laughs> I don't want to see it either. No, I'm good. Mike, what do you want to see in the NHL franchise going forward? I mean, obviously, I think we're going to see an NHL game every year for the rest of our <laughs> life. But uh, anything you want to see specifically uh, in I, the games? I mean, back. I got a lot of I have a lot of issues with the new games. Just got a lot of problems. With <laughs> you're all going to hear about it. It's just really too bad because there's so much potential. And we talked about this, obviously, earlier on. But there's just so much potential with these games. And it, it really isn't fair. And it's also... To an extent, it's not that fair to criticize them because these games have maybe 20, 30 development teams where um, 20, 30 person development teams where something like FIFA has literally hundreds of developers on this. 
and right. and just so much more money behind it and which is why the fifa games are just you know obviously so much better in that sense um i, I gotta say with the new games the, the physics are terrible they use like the the fifa engine physics which is doesn't translate to ice obviously um no. the the penalty calling system isn't algorithmic and what that means it's it's uh, they're using binary instead and what that means is um you can't really get away with anything because it's either a penalty or it's not patrick did mention that as well when he said that oh it feels like i just every time i i'm using like my like skill stick on defense it feels like i automatically get a penalty you know i automatically mm-hmm. just hook someone which is is true and really frustrating because there's nothing worse than just slowing down a game with like hooking penalties Right. It would be kind of cool if they had uh, something to do with the refs, how the refs have a, a field of view. And if you're outside of that field of view and you do something, you get away with it. Right. I would love something like that. Almost like a stealth game where you have the <laughs> searchlight, like the uh, refs, have, you wouldn't be able to see it, obviously. But with the refs on the ice, they obviously can't see 360 degrees. So if you're doing something in a, in a zone where they can't see, maybe you get away with it or the or the audience reacts to it in a certain way, but they don't. It'd be kind of neat to have that aspect. Yeah, because that happens. FIFA, uh, FIFA does a really good job with that because like you'll get yellow cards or red cards when you don't think you've done something too bad and vice versa. You'll do you'll like almost like murder someone out on the field. <laughs> And sometimes the ref won't see it, and it just goes on. Right. Yeah, something like that would be neat. I mean, the physics engine aside, I mean, graphics, I feel like the games are there. They don't graphically oh, need yeah. to improve anymore. That's fine. I think it's but just But the issue the is, is that they try to. They try really yeah. hard, and they put a lot of money into the graphical improvements. It's like, no, that's mm-hmm. not what people care about. I don't no. need a beard engine. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. No, I, I'd love to see just like that uh, Patrick was talking about, the uh, the blood hockey game. I'd love to play yeah. that game, and that that's more of an arcade style um, but going forward for me, I mean, I don't think I'll, I see myself ever buying a new hockey game because I never no. bought them then. But going back to our episode we've talked about, I'd love to pick up NHL 2004. It sounds like that's the game to pick up from this batch. Um, that, is, so, that is my choice as well, Neil. That's yeah. my uh, Mike's choice of the week. You already own it too. And I'm going to cheat a little bit and I'm going to say I'm going to try and pick up uh, – I'd like to start reading some of Patrick's books. i um, going to go back and check out and see – he's got six out already. So I want to check and see if there's something there that uh, fancies my interest and try and read one of his books this year. Uh, as well as uh, John's podcast there, the Financial Planning Podcast. I love financial planning. That's I'm, I'm almost equally nerdy about that now as I am into <laughs> video games, to be honest. That's good. Uh, That's good. Little things some people might not know about me. Uh, but uh, I think I'd really love to check it out and I love his voice too. So. Oh. Uh, great voice yeah. oh yeah so hockey games aside i mean i will look for nhl 2004 if i can find it at a decant price i'm sure i'll pick it up someday but uh, that sackic one. Oh hell yeah oh, <laughs> no maybe if i can find that for five dollars sure yeah honestly yeah mike why don't you let the listeners know now what they can expect on episode 33 of the gamecube is cool podcast on episode 33 we will be keeping the ea train rolling with uh medal of honor games uh, and a couple Sweet. other shooters for the nintendo gamecube there are three medal of honor games neil which is was surprising to me when i i learned that all mm-hmm. ea games all ea los angeles developed so uh mm-hmm. keeping on the west coast there but just going going down highway one uh <laughs> from from vancouver so uh yeah we're going to be talking about medal of honor and shooters which are conflict desert storms uh, uh games as well so yeah i'm excited yep. to talk about that I'm very excited. I played Medal of Honor Frontline when I was young, and I was actually playing it a little bit this week just to get ready for the for our next show. So I'm excited to talk about it. Uh, I loved World War II shooters back in the day. They're not as big anymore as they used to be, but that was almost a genre in itself was World yes. War II shooters. Yes. Now we have obviously Call of Duty. Um, yeah, World War II shooters was like a thing, like not just Medal of Honor, but then there was also Call of Duty. There's Brothers in Arms. It felt like there was a, a World War II shooter every other week. 
Um, and <laughs> in, that has long that era, since stopped. Sure. That yeah, that was just a thing back then. Just like snowboarding games and skateboarding games, World War II games were also yep. very popular. So I'm very excited to talk about that with you next week. Yeah, our first uh, our first kind of compilation shooter episode. So mm-hmm. yeah, true. We haven't done one yet. Crazy. Mm-hmm. But until then, ladies and gentlemen, this was episode 32 of the GameCube is Cool podcast. We have new episodes every Thursday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all the other podcast services. Leave us ratings and reviews so we can make our show better. We're the number one GameCube podcast on the internet. Follow us on Instagram at the GameCube Pod or check out our lovely website, thegamecubeiscool.com. Share us with your friends, family, or your book club. Tell Karen, Mary, Susan, and Patricia, Mike and Neil said hi. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for the support, and we will see you next week. Take care. Bye. GameCube. Over 600 games you've never heard of. GameCube. The product of what happens when you think inside the box.